Hello and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast number 189. I'm your host, Brian. Joining me this evening, Matt. Good evening, everybody. And Mad Cat. Hello, hello. And of course, the Ian himself. <laughs> Greetings and salutations. <laughs> Well, with that, without the dumbass, I mean, I, I, I get to use that line for someone, right? So the I, I, I had to. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's difficult with a dumbass button. <laughs> we can, we can My substitute Ian. Good at that one too. I could have substituted with the, with the Mad Cat herself too, right? Mm-hmm. How is everybody doing? Um, I reconfigured my fish tank and accidentally became a social activist this week. Yeah, you, you're. So tell, tell me about your social activism. Okay, so I saw a, per, a commercial on PayPal. Now I'm going to give it a quick summary. Uh, basically, the, the woman in the commercial comes into the kitchen. There's a note asking her to feed Skipper. Skipper is a Gen Day Conyer in an, in, in an unsuitable cage. Um, and you, you may have guessed in the past that I happen to be a big, big bird proponent. Yeah, and for some unknown reason, left by an open window. Yes, it was the cage was left by an open window. She opens the cage to feed the bird. The bird immediately flies out the open. So what she does is she goes to PayPal and she buys a replacement bird. But the replacement bird is not even the same species as the bird she lost. To say nothing of the fact that in all likelihood, this is a bird that somebody has been loving and training. And this new bird won't know them at all and won't do anything that they're expecting. Actually, I would question that on first off, you already mentioned the cage. Yeah. You already mentioned the cage being unsuitable, and then it was left by an open window. I don't think these people have ever had a bird before, because yep. whatever they're doing Maybe. is not what you logically think a bird owner would do. Well, but well, the, the bottom line is the commercial, it shows bird neglect. It shows... Uh, it's a Yeah, it's a stupid commercial, poorly thought out. And I think, I, get, I think somebody thought it was funny, but it was not. Well, the other thing is that that's not characteristic of a conure because if somebody strange opens a cage, they're much more likely to defend their territory. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, yes. the conure's not just going to fly out like that. That 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 seems unlikely what I know about. With... Yeah, conures are just a little bit territorial. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that commercial would have, you could have kept the same idea, but had it more of an inanimate object or something, you know, that actually made sense to be replaceable. Use a finch. So you could have done the exact same thing. Or, you, but, or they could have done the same thing with the bird and had her use PayPal for to reward the person that found the bird or yeah. put up flyers or all these all these different types of things. Yeah, there, there's quite a few ways they could have done it. To, it, it is it, It's just poorly thought out. And you, you get, I, they were trying for a joke, but it didn't work. If it, it, Everything about it was just stupid. Okay, so tell yep, me about I, the I social agree. activism por- portion of this. I, I first called PayPal. I spoke to their customer service, who was sympathetic, but I don't know how much he's going to be. I also posted on on my bird groups on Facebook and got asked the question, well, where's the petition? So there's a petition, and I put it on the document. So where did you do the petition? I petition. Okay. And and have a petition on I petition ever actually done anything? I do not know. Okay. But – it's at this point, it's at uh, it's got a goal of a thousand signatures and it's over 700. So at the very least, you know, if this if this information is passed on to PayPal, which I presume it will be, at the very least, they will know that there's a lot of people unhappy about this. OK, there's also a lot of commentary from the uh, bird owners and others on there. Yeah, over 400 comments so far. Oh, wow. Yep. That's good. Um you know, just look at it in the sense, even if you're not a burn owner, even if you're not a bird person, look at it in the sense of 
if somebody was watching your dog and they lost your dog, if they lost your golden retriever and they gave you a cocker spaniel, you They're might be somewhat be you well, might but, be somewhat taken aback. So to be specific, what kind of conure was it originally that was lost? It was a Gende conure, if I if I do not mistake my guess. And are they usually, coloration looked like a Gende conure? And they're usually pretty good Hello. personalities, right? Uh, they're different personalities. Okay. They're different vocal levels. They are, um, you know, in in my in in my experience, I don't have experience with Gende Conure, but I have experience with a Gold Cap, which is a close relative of the of the Gende Conure, mm-hmm. and the Gold Cap is actually a, a fairly uh, it's a pretty gentle bird. But they replace it with a cinnamon, a cinnamon green cheeked Conure, right? Which are which are demons. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know if they're. I, I don't know that much about the cinnamon, but uh, green cheek conures in general. Is it are, not the cinnamon? Maybe it's the pineapples I'm thinking of. But but some of these conures, some of these conure uh, morphs are 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 not friendly. Some of them are not. Some of them are not as not as even tempered as others. And honestly, green cheeks are incredibly cute, but they can also be real. They they can pull some serious dick moves. Uh, my own my own. They're, green they're demons. The, uh, green cheek conures are demons. They're little yeah. demons, and sometimes at, sometimes they're friendly, at, and sometimes they're demons. Ask me ask me what time I woke up this morning. I don't want to. When the little demon woke <laughs> up, I woke up this morning about two minutes out, two minutes before Tango lost his voice. He has this way of uh, popping his beak on the edge of his food bowl that cuts through the deepest sleep. <laughs> And this was at 2.43 in the morning. So there you go. So I took his food bowls away. I told him I told him off, and I fortunately was able to get back to sleep. Cool. All right. Hey, so I got a question for you. So Ask away. When it comes to swearing on TV, on network TV, of course, this is frowned upon, right? And so these shows will find ways to get around this by using the word frack or fork, correct? Right. Okay. So I've been watching the— um, uh, the good place, which I love, it's great. Is brilliant, by but, the way. Yes, but they but they use the word. I, fork. I, I'm really forking glad you watched that. Yes, thank you. So, but but I think that I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, you know what? It, it using swear words is as much about context as the word itself. If uh-huh, I yeah. say go fork and yourself, everybody everybody who is watching it knows exactly what they're saying. Right. That's yeah. flipping. Uh, right. I, so, I assure you, not. <laughs> that's flipping that's right. right. Mother flipping fork balls. Um, yep. So, yeah. so does it matter whether they use the word or not at that point? I, well, okay. You, you, story of my childhood. I didn't understand what flipping off was, but I knew you're supposed to do it when you're um, mad at someone. So in the middle <laughs> of gym class one time, in like fourth or fifth grade, I flipped another kid off. And I completely didn't understand it was a bad thing. It's like, no, I'm mad at him. That's what you're supposed to do. Needless to say, the other kid told the gym teacher and I got in trouble for it. Context, I had no idea it was a curse thing or anything. But the fact that, oh my God, how dare you do that? No, my mind's like, no, that's what you do when you're mad at someone. What am I in trouble for? So we add stuff to it that makes it, you know, technically cursing really shouldn't be that big of a deal. Well, I I, I don't disagree. And that's kind of my point in in this whole thing that whether I use the word fuck or use the word fork, Depending on the yeah. context that I use it in, you know what I'm saying to you, right? And so it doesn't. Actually, so it doesn't matter. It's actually a lot funnier that they're not swearing. Exactly. It yeah. does. It does work but, for them, right? But when you but say, um, what was it? Um, when they redid Battlestar Galactica and they use frack yeah. instead, right? And they made a big deal. All these people were like, oh, look, that's so boring. It's like, 
actually a million shows have done that before. Why are you guys making it sound yep. like Battlestar Galactica was so original? No, it's been done. Right, but but yep. here's the thing: is that why don't we? I mean, why don't we just eliminate this bullshit entirely? Because my, it's not like every kid has heard <sighs> the word "fuck" anymore, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And it does. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Well, I remember well, some argument I had. I'd written. I, I was debating with some religious people, and this one person said, "Well, I can't take you seriously because you curse in your. Um, you use bad language in your um, post." I looked back and I had put BS. That was the bad language. BS. Oh, like, sugar. Oh. What the fork. <laughs> Okay, I'm like, okay, so you think BS is bad, so do you think darn and dang it and stuff is bad then? You know, I, I'm trying to be polite by saying BS. You know yeah, what you know. I mean. Uh, that, that has nothing to do with my morals, by the way. I was, that was the weird thing. It went to moral things. Like, you're just immoral because oh, you, because use, you that use that kind of language. Yeah. That's so not you can use moral. junk instead. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so that's not a moral instrument. Instead of BS, that's yeah. better. To be it, to be it's fair, weird what Ian, some people cling to. Yeah, I you think know, you I, could also you could also take it at that point that that person is if that person is redu- is reduced to calling you out on saying BS, then that person doesn't have a very strong argument in the first place. Yeah, that's probably well, true. they never had a dog and bear shit. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I just thought, I thought it was interesting. I mean, the the good place capitalizes on it in in a way that is is. It's really awesome with what they've done, um, but and they wouldn't be able to do it if we didn't have those these obscure censorship rules in the first place, right? Yeah. But because right. we they, have them, they they capitalize. There's on the it. there's of course the classic routine uh, by George Carlin about the said the seven words you can't say on television, right? Yeah, Which that he originally said on radio, and that actually led to all sorts of um, rules for radio. Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. There you go. He yep. forgot prick. No, uh, he that never one, did prick. I mean. He never did. He actually talked about prick. He said that's a that's a two way word. You can prick your finger, but don't finger your prick. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yeah, I forgot uh, about that one. But you know, the whole point was they're not bad words. They're bad ideas. You well, know, like, right? Shit, okay. We know what shit is? So. But yeah. but to that well, point, if I say fork off, it's the same idea as saying fuck off. It yep. is. So he's right. Yeah. And based on his logic. If we go with that, either one of them is the same. It it has right. more to do with context and intention than it does with the actual word. It does, and that and that was my point. So, yeah, and it's a good point. Thank you. Okay, so it let's is. let's move the fork on. By the way, oh, one hmm. other one other point about the good place. You know, last season, good Ted Danson was great. Evil Ted Danson, far better. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to look that thing up. <laughs> oh yeah. The good place you said, huh? The good place, yeah. It's a wonderful it's a wonderful show. I guess the first episode or the first season is on Netflix. Yes. But it is it is hilarious. I basically the whole thing is that is uh, Kristen Wiig's character or Kristen Wiig Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell. Anyway, Kristen Bell. Um Kristen Bell's character is dead and she lived a very very selfish life yet somehow she's gone to the good place. And so she spends the entire first season trying to hide that she's not supposed to be in the good place, um, figuring out that other people who are there are also not supposed to be in the good place, and ultimately oh. finding out other things. Oh, okay. Okay, I got. I got to see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 really good. And Tonight Ted after Danson, I watched Walking Dead. <laughs> Ted Danson is. Uh, Ted oh, Danson is Michael. It? Yeah, Ted Danson is Michael. The. Uh, the person who runs the neighborhood, who is ostensibly an angel. Okay, I'll I'll watch that. Yes. After Walking Dead. Highly recommended. <laughs> Highly recommended. 
All right. Okay. Let's move on. What do we have? Okay. We, we have your anthology. What, yeah, what is I'm this? Yeah, I about my anthology. This is, okay, out of all the stuff I had published, this probably has the most significant because the anthology itself is actually, um, I, I, I talked about it a couple podcasts ago because um, Mad Cat was asking what I, um, was coming out for me. And this anthology deals with mental illness. All the stories had to have a main character who was going through some level of mental illness, dealing with it, and not not necessarily being cured of it, but overcoming it to the point where they can function and get on with their lives kind of thing. Um, and half the proceeds from this will go to Yellow Ribbon Suicide Prevention, oh, okay. which is an organization that deals with teen suicide. So, And apparently investigating crime scenes. Nice. And which which is better if they buy the Kindle or the Dead Tree? Um, like I said I, either one. Half the profits are going to um the organization. Okay. So um. Sorry, I'm going Kindle. I'm yeah. Going I, I don't know the actual margin on the pro, you know profits on it myself. All right. Um, from my own experience, they're probably about equal to tell you the truth. I just bought it. Uh, there you go. Cool. Me too. <laughs> so um, but if you buy the print version, hunt me down. We're bit, this won't come out before Mile High Con. I do know um, there will be copies. There should be copies available at Mile if Jay gets them in on time. But if you get a print copy and hunt me down, I will gladly sign it for you. I, I think it's one of my stronger stories as I've ever written. Hopefully now, other uh, people will find it that way as they well. Can, they can email their print copy to you at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com, right? To get it signed? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so, yeah, um Please support that. And like I said, it's going for a good cause. I know it means a lot to the editor, Jay. That's one reason he did it. It really was a big deal for him. I don't, I know he has, he himself has some stuff he deals with. I don't know if the, um, you know, his past history, if there's been someone in his life that did suicide or not, but I know this is a big cause for him. So I definitely want to help him promote it as it is, even if it wasn't my story in there. It's a very good cause. Well, good. Yeah, I just bought it, so. Cool. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. Okay. Okay, Mad Cat. What time is it? <sighs> yes, it is Ian and Dumbass's masturbation moment brought to you by the Dumbass Media Empire. Which <laughs> you just put in there for me. <laughs> <laughs> you just had it. That. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, I added it to the future ones, but I've forgotten to put it on this one. So it so should be on all the ones the going forward. <laughs> The Amateur Skeptics present Ian's Masturbation Moment, brought to you by the Dumbass Media Empire. The Dumbass Media Empire, bringing you content that touches people while they touch themselves. Okay. So this is porn this time. Nine surprising reasons why you should be watching porn. Why are these reasons surprising? <laughs> I don't know if the. I think some people find them. Actually, well, there was one or two. Okay, we'll good. List, I do remember there was one. Like, oh, that's interesting. So this is from Alternet. Um, you know, that's the a title surprise. Kind of gives away the basics <laughs> of it. Um, and if, if you haven't guessed, us here at um, Amateur Skeptics are a bit pro porn. So the first one is actually a question: Does porn make women see or men see women as objects? Um, it starts off kind of jokingly, but then gets into the more details about how actually. There is a significant. Well, wait, but you, um, I mean, this is important because yeah. it, because the answer to the question is who knows. Well, actually, um, I, I have a thought on this from discussions I've had with my roommate. Men see women as objects, but 
porn doesn't have anything to do with it. Well, and that's kind of actually that, something. That's, it's actually something in porn. That's the point that's that this makes. Yeah, that's yeah. more or less what it says. Yeah, that's the point it's that this made. There's no evidence that there's a connection, and it, it's you know I think we've even talked about this before in past podcasts. Same kind of thing. There really is is nothing that says just because um you watch porn you're going to treat women as objects. You're most likely going to be doing that already without the porn. So, so but here's the, here's the here's the other thing that actually this says. Uh, to, to my point I mean we actually physically see women as objects but you oh. don't have to treat women as objects right that's a good point okay yeah same with with us women sometimes but we it, see it, you like, men as beef in terms of sure. in terms of brainwaves you have the same reaction to you tend to have the same reaction to seeing a woman as you have to seeing like a door no. well that's interesting and then it's important to it's important to remember that I mean, your point is that your point is very good that we don't have to treat women like objects, even though we see them like that. And this is a difference between the the the, the, the lizard brain and the higher brain, right? And yep. that you know that uh, we don't have we don't we, we don't have certain controls over the certain reactions and things that our brain has at 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 that. It's like at that what that fast level, and then at the slow level, we can we can take more time before we open right. our mouths. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Basically, we're able to control ourselves, and we know what's we should know what the differences are between doing doing something against someone as opposed to doing something with someone. Which is why I agree with Daniel Dennett about about free will, and I'm a compatibilist. Okay, what what is <laughs> compatibilist? Uh? Yeah, I'm sorry, compatibilist. Yeah, because <laughs> because there is a free will component here. I mean, I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, yeah. when we initially see something, we have a judgment, right? But we don't have to that, – that judgment doesn't have to dictate our behavior. Exactly. We don't just work on instinct. We have a lot more than that going for us. And we can – never mind. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, are you going to think about the sexual assault uh, okay. data here? So, uh, second reason. Point no, hold on. No, no, sexual... no, 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 no. We're not oh. done because – because are not done? Okay. No, because here's the – one of the things that this says, and while it's an interesting correlation, I, I don't know that that um, that there is a causation between them. And it says, um, when it's talking about the porn, it says, in fact, pornography accessibility has exploded in the 1990s and so on. Sexual assault rates have gone down by 55% in the last 20 years, according to the National Crime and Victim Survey. So I, while, that's inter- while that's an interesting correlation, I do not think that you have a causation between them. You, I, I don't know how I don't I don't think that anybody has shown that there's a yeah. causation between them. While it's interesting, um, it, it right. Well, I don't think necessarily says that um, there's a causation. It's just saying you know, but it goes against the idea that um, porn is going to um, promote okay rape. It's saying coincidence points to the opposite. Whether or not they're connected and there's a causation, um, that that we can't really tell. But the facts that are out there says there's more porn out there and less rape. So right. that doesn't okay. defend um, the idea that um, women are being treated as objects more by men just because they see porn. That's fair enough. So so we don't necessarily know that that's the, that's the cause of the other one, but we know that – but we can be pretty sure that it hasn't increased it in some way. Right. Okay. Fair enough. We can move on to number two. Thanks. All right. So number two is fairly straightforward. Porn increases sexual and overall satisfaction. Basically, you watch porn, you enjoy it, you get off, you feel good. Fair enough. Um, next. Well, wait, porn hold on. Incurred- there, there was oh. more, there's more to this one too. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So, what this one is saying that there there is a uh, Danish study that that suggested that basically that the porn made other people made their sex lives better as well. So it's not just that that you get off and 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 it's good for you is that 
by you and your partner watching this, it's improving your sex life, right? It's so gives them ideas. And we and we have actually in the past talked about that as well. Yeah, you know, I I know we've had that conversation. You know, for, for some reason, once more, we, you know, we kind of like porn here and talking about sex and masturbation. And, I, and this has come up time and time again that um, couples that engage in pornography together enjoy it, and it does help. I think that um, part of it, it probably helps to, yeah, it probably helps to start a conversation, right? I mean, because if you yeah. watch something, it's like, well, did you like that? Well, I liked it, but I, well, I didn't like that. I didn't, you know, the, you, you can have a conversation. It, is, it can be a conversation starter. The, the more open and honest you are with your partner about your likes and dislikes and what you want out of it, the more likely it is that you're going to get um, get that out of your sex life and get have a more fulfilling sex life. You Instead know? of not talking to each other and doing things that the other person doesn't like right. and continuing yeah. because you don't know that they dislike it. They're just pretending. Right. Yeah, or so, instead of instead of hiding your desires and then, you know, taking it somewhere else. Exactly. So, so to me, that was a more, more important part of number two than, you know, you masturbate and feel good. Right. But it has to do with this overall increase of sexual satisfaction that was important about this. Yeah. Right. But uh, the, uh, the, what, the, what that point does not say is, while the Danish adults believe that pornographies had a positive effect on their lives, when the same study done on Swedish youths made them want to go start a furniture store. Never mind. The, the Finnish? <laughs> um. Danishes are good. <laughs> okay, number three is a fairly straightforward one. Porn encourages masturbation. <clears throat> I'm not sure if we need to go oh my further God. on that one. But Ian, yeah. Are you porn? I encourage masturbation. Wait, what? All the time. Every every <laughs> podcast. Every damn podcast. You're porn. Awesome. <laughs> okay. I, I can live with that. <laughs> but here's but once again, there's a more important point that they're making here and that I don't see how this could be more important than Ian being porn. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not just that it encourages masturbation. It, it also encourages um not being all handy. Not all of us have, you know, it, it says, what about a rich inner sexual imagination, um, you ask? Yeah. Well, we can't all be, we can't, let's see, that's not, uh, that's all well and good. Um, but for 99% of us who aren't Amelia, uh, we need a little extra help. So it, it does give us ideas that we might not have come up with on our own. So it expands our horizon about what might turn us on. All right, so Amelia... Is oh yeah, please tell me. A, the movie? It's a movie. We'll it's, a movie. Yeah. Um, it's a French movie. French romantic comedy. Uh, da, 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 contemporary person life tells the story of a shy waitress who decides to change the lives of those around her for the better while struggling with her own isolation. Uh, I have no idea why that's a reference. I'd probably have to read the whole thing. But the French movie, movie. Yeah. Uh, see, Rotten Tomatoes has it eighty nine percent, so it's okay. highly recommended. All right. Very good. Oh, and then, of course, you know, um, masturbation helps reduce prostate cancer for men. Oh, that's a good thing for you. And it's actually had something for women in here, too. Uh, reduces yeah, women's it, chance UTI. of UTI. Yep. It well, does. Okay. I, I, and uterine okay. uh, uterine prolapse. It helps to. Helps to yeah, it's that's interesting. The strength of the, oh. of the muscles in there. Didn't we talk about that? what we were talking about last week. Yeah, last exactly. Okay. Yeah, okay. we were talking about that last podcast. All right, here we're going to number four. Let's see if you can get this one right, Ian, because so far you're porn. not doing so well. <laughs> porn is hey. a form of safe sex. I, um, I, I do agree. But here's yeah. the problem with this is that we know that if you masturbate, you get your hand pregnant in the afterlife. 
Yes. <laughs> no, we're already figured out that we want, we want the armies of our children in the afterlife, so it's a good thing. Right. This is why Ash had to cut off his hand, probably. <laughs> oh. Don't be such an asshole. Oh. Bad. <laughs> Bad. Oh. Both of you. But Mother forking shirt into, balls. This goes into some of the... Pre- <laughs> this goes into some of the previous stuff as well. Um, it can help with emotional and sexual intimacy. It can um, help couples get a deeper sexual connection and um, work on their masturbation fantasies. So, you know, th- this kind of reinforces um, the last few. Is you know, if you read the description here. Okay. Yeah, what Brian and I were saying. Yes. This is the more interesting one. Porn makes you better at math. Score. Math, math, or math, math, <laughs> or Common Core math. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that that that's one that surprised me. Right? I was like, Wait, did I misread that? What? Okay, explain that but, to me. Um, basically, um, they say straight out, looking at semi-erotic pictures reduced men's curs- cortisol, cortisol, the stress hormone, by half, and lowering stress equals better concentration. Um, is also true of women. <laughs> so ba- basically, getting yourself off lowers your stress and makes you better at concentrating, focusing at school. Which basically suggests that actually what high schools need is a jack-off room. Nice. <laughs> you know, oh, you're having a hard time, you know, concentrating class? All right, go take 10 minutes. <laughs> Here's the Kleenex. <laughs> and some Vaseline. <laughs> yep. Physician, love thyself. Oh, wait a moment. And a white unicorn toy. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, okay. So, so perhaps you should pick up that Fifty Shades of Grey novel. But I, I contend that... A, I've read those, and I bet you can't read them a second time. They're not that good. Fifty <sighs> Shades of Grey, never seen it, never read it. Okay. Okay, <laughs> okay number six, porn helps to normalize desires. Although uh, some of the examples I'm not quite sure of, but each to their own. Well, but, that, but, that's, but that's the whole point of what they're saying. Yeah. So, so they give up, the, so some of these on here are probably ludicrous. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, a women woman on cakes. <laughs> okay. I, and now I do. I do know there is a fetish out there of women sitting on cake. Oh, there was a, there was an, out of them. But... There was an no, SNL sitting on them and smir- you know, rubbing their butts all over them, and then walking around with cake dripping off their butts. Do you do you remember There's the a whole fetish on that? I know re- that exists. Do you remember the SNL uh, skit that um where the for the erotic cake store and every cake was a woman sitting on a toilet, no matter what they asked for. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I listened to a TED talk by Dan Savage and he was talking about how he went, how he does these talks, um, these sex talks across America. And he was doing a talk at a college and there was this absolutely beautiful straight college kid who was absolutely ashamed of what he wanted. And he agreed to meet Dan Savage and what he wanted was to have cake smashed on him he wanted to have birthday cake smashed on him that's all he wanted and dan savage said you know if i can spend a little time with this with this greek god i'll smash cake on him all he wants (laughs) (laughs) right so so the other ones on here um uh, what is this popping a balloon between your legs okay dressing as a panda which i get because i'm dressed as a panda now (laughs) harry potter Ronald McDonald. I mean, uh, having you know, sex with your Brian, I, I knew that about you because I could hear you munching bamboo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and pretty 
much um, anything you can think of, they probably have done a porn parody of it now. Yep. Uh, any characters you've ever fantasized about seeing getting it on, it's almost definitely out but, there. But here's the other the other important thing is that if you watch porn and you watch stuff that maybe you wouldn't see any other way, you might find stuff that, that turns you on that you never thought it would. Yeah. And and it may be stuff that you would never and, want to do in real life, right? It, it turns you it on. But it also destigmatizes, you know, people who may have something unusual going on. If they find their their bliss in a porn, then maybe it's not as stigmatizing. I have well, really uh, covered the, how- the point yeah. of the the point of the Dan Savage thing. The point he was making was that you know you he told the kid you need to be more confident about this. You need to, you know, you need to sell this. You say, look, I, you get this. All you need to do is smash birthday cake on. Right. Yeah. Like, we've yeah. covered in the past how people that like BDSM actually are pretty down to earth, rational people. They're not some sort of sickos that go around and are going to like you know, commit crimes and have all sorts of devious thoughts. Well, but They're here, I, I take, I, just I take exception to the word deviant, right? Devious thoughts. Because what are those? Yeah, and 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 I think that that adds a stigma that is unnecessary. Because just because something turns somebody on doesn't mean that they're going to act in a way that's unnecessarily right. right. I mean, one of my one of my college professors said that he loved people who were deviants because people who were deviants were the only people who ever changed the world. <laughs> people who deviate from the norm are the only people who ever change anything. And, and and that's fine. The way that you just use that word, I do not disagree with at all. What yeah, I disagree no. with it is when it's a pejorative. Yeah, I like the fact that he was trying to take it back from de- being a pejorative. Though. No, I think that's great. I, I totally agree mm-hmm. with that. But we stigmatize this stuff. We stigmatize. Guy. His license plate on his car just said think. I mean, one of, one of the big things that S&M promotes is an open dialogue about what you like and what you don't like. That's why there's so right. many, I mean, and without that, you, you can't, you, you never, you never actually express it. Right. I mean, most, most couples, I don't think are having these conversations about what you may about. not even know how to express there it. There you go. Until you see it. All the more reason for these, you know, for these S and M things where you go through and say, well, does that turn you on? Does that turn you on? Does that turn you on? I mean, so, yeah, so normalizing desires. I think I think this is a great way to do it. I think that this this in and of itself could be a help to many many people. To instead of instead of telling them there's something wrong with you, just to tell them you know to, to say, well, well, that that that's okay. That's what turns you on. Let's how do, how do we fulfill that? Yeah, I, I go to one of the erotica shows and um, see people getting flogged in public. That's quite interesting. Have you done that? I haven't actually been to one of those. <laughs> oh. I- I, I've been to one, and I've been the one that's been strapped down and flogged in public. Nice. In front of people watching. That's Quite awesome. interesting. And you said that, and I think no less of you. It would it'd be hard <laughs> to do that, but I mean, but. Clothed or unclothed? Clothed. And he got flogged. Uh, yes. That's the one where they whip you. Yeah, with various kinds of whips and stuff. Um, my girlfriend and the um woman who was showing us how to use the various ones were taking turns on me. That's awesome. <laughs> that's very it cool. Helps. And then, of course, we switched places, so, you know, my girlfriend was the one who was strapped down and getting flogged in public for a little while. Okay, so you'd basically have a code word for when you've had enough. Or it's called, a, it's called a safe word. It's called a safe word, yeah. Safe word. Yeah. yeah, although I don't think either of us used it. it, oh. it by the way, the, <laughs> regarding the safe word, I'm seeing a lot more often in, my, in mainstream media where something, well, like, for instance, on the show Castle, um, 
I think it was in the very first episode, the female police officer handcuffs Castle. And Mm -hmm. he says, okay, if you're going to do this, my safe word is apples. (laughs) 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 But I'm seeing more and more often where somebody gets in a situation that's that's slightly slightly risque and dangerous and they will say what their safe word is so it's becoming a lot more mainstream which is great. and this was even before yeah. even before 50 shades right yeah all right mainstream porn porn gives rise to queer diverse indie porn yeah, well basically awesome. a, a simple, yeah a simple logic of you know what going off of what we were just talking about you know you, more stuff is acceptable more things that were you know, oh, you have to put those to the background. It's like, no, these are, you know, consenting adults, and this is the stuff they want to do. Let, let them come out and do it. It's not hurting anyone. And so it's getting more accepted, and you can feel more comfortable with your sexuality. Yeah, I, um, what indie porn, though, that, that was, that was, that was a new term to me. I hadn't yeah, heard that. That is one, I'm different? not completely sure what all that consists is, is of. Is that different but... than it's, an amateur? It's mostly recut versions of Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> I, I was wondering <laughs> if it was, I mean, is it more like amateur porn? That's yeah, it's, 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 yeah it's, that, that makes sense. It's it's porn done by, amateurs. you know, when you're talking about indie porn, you're talking about porn done by, like, a, a couple, a, a husband and wife with a camera and putting it up on porn. Right, that makes sense. a small... Or, a small group of neighbors or a small group of friends that just happen to do some interesting, bizarre stuff. It says here, so when, like I, when I go to this IndiePornRevolution.com, indie it says um, subversive uh, smut made by ladies, artists, and queers. So I'm not sure that it is the same as amateur. Okay. Some of them could just be, you know, like indie writers. Uh, it's just writers who are doing writers they just put it out themselves instead of going through a uh, a contractor or uh uh sounds like one of those things we don't fully i'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say instead of, i'm gonna say with just giving it a cursory look here real quick that it looks like it's different to me than amateur porn so it, yeah yeah so it would need it yeah. needs more uh you know I, it, so, yeah they're just not going through the regular yeah um, but, but some right. of the other um examples they give a hairy yep body positive ethical porn so you know there's, there's a bunch of stuff that falls into this non-mainstream stuff that you know the, the doors are opening up for by the acceptance of porn saying you know people who might not fit into this perfect body type or into this um what society wants to deem as the normal sexual um course of things you guys have more you know a, a, a theater now to come out in and say hey this is what i'm into so you know it's it, all good yeah Absolutely. Ethical porn. That's a, that's an interesting one. Uh, number eight's a fairly straightforward one. Porn helps you figure out what turns you on. Which is what we've kind of we been go. saying through the whole thing, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that's the if, if you look at some of the, the, the these nine reasons are somewhat interlinked and build up on each other. And this one definitely fits a lot of the last few we've been talking about. You know, thanks to opening the doors to all this other stuff that you know people are exploring you can now look at more variety and say oh that's something i never thought of i didn't even know that existed wow that's hot maybe i could try that or at least i could watch it and get off on it i would also say that it gives people the ability to also say this turns me on and instead of acting out in a, in a way that's inappropriate maybe you can find somebody that you know an appropriate way to act upon that right yeah. and, and still and get what you need without using real ducks right without 
Throw on a ball and a rodeo clown outfit and head to the local dungeon. <laughs> All right. So in the last one, porn is entertaining. Well, hell yeah. Which, by the way, is my favorite one of these. Porn is entertaining. That's your favorite? That's my favorite part of the. That's my favorite part of this little uh, this article. Safe for work porn. How? how I don't know. How? It's in the altar to appear as if the porn performers are enjoying a cola, saving a poodle, or helping Santa Claus deliver some presents. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. That's yeah. What kind of present do you have for me today, Santa? <laughs> <laughs> I I I love the uh, the uh, without the existence of smut, this tumbler of indifferent cats in amateur porn also would not exist. So in other <laughs> words, it's basically cats that have shown up in amateur porn that people have taken taken images of and put on a tumbler feed. <laughs> hey guys, we need to move on yeah. because uh, we, we've oh, already, we, yay. We, we we can spend so much time talking about porn, but I want to make sure that we give enough time. <laughs> To fibromyalgia. Porn too much? Never. Not ever. Not ever. Okay, so but let, let's let's move on to fibromyalgia. So so this is so your first article here, Mad Cat says um, that Lady Gaga has um, has come out and it announced that she has been diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Yeah, I had no idea that uh, she had been diagnosed with it, and she had apparently canceled um, a few shows because of having uh bad issues from it for the for when she was going to be going on or in the middle of the show itself in one case so so it's it's pretty interesting to see um that that has been uh something i've never known anything about lady gaga myself but right but this is a diagnosis that you have correct yes it is <laughs> so you and so you it, uh, I mean, because here's the problem it, is that I, ha- I know nothing about fibromyalgia, right? And and certainly I do not have it. And so you you have a you have an insight into this story that I do not have. Yeah, and there's a, a there's very there is a lot of difficulty when it comes to fibromyalgia because some doctors believe that it's real, other doctors don't believe it's real. There's, there's a mix a, up of uh, what people expect about the diagnosis. And a lot that people don't understand about it. Hey, Madcap, mm-hmm. I was told at one point that fibromyalgia is one of those things that when a doctor diagnoses it, it's because he's ruled out every damn thing else. Is that pretty much it? It is pretty funny because they have to, in order to say that you have it, they do have to rule out everything else before they can rule it as being fibromyalgia, which makes it very uh, difficult for anyone to... Uh, believe that it's an actual issue or that it's actually real because that is one of the ways that they do use in order to yeah it, it could it. easily be it could easily be called a catch-all because they have to they have to spend so much time and finally there's no well i, I guess recently there is a test for fibro, fibromyalgia but up until recently it was because everything else was ruled out that they were able to call it mm-hmm. fibromyalgia well also some some beliefs are that the uh, the one base test that they use to figure it out is uh, some specific spots on the body. There's 18 spots that they use to see about your pain value with it to see if you have it. Can you tell, uh, me, tell, is, can you tell us what it is? Because I don't think we've said what fibromyalgia is. 
Fibromyalgia is very wide ranging, but the main basis of it, and I have this written down just to keep my brain working because okay, good. it goes on a totally other fashion, but fibromyalgia is a chronic pain state in which the nerve stimuli causing pain originates mainly in the tissues of the body, hence the increased pain on movement and the aggregation of fibromyalgia by strenuous exertion. Its uh, literal translation of the word fibromyalgia is muscles and uh, muscles, ligaments, and tendons. It's common and complex chronic pain disorder that causes widespread pain and tenderness to touch that may occur body-wide or migrate over the body. It has other symptoms such as pain, tenderness, wax, it waxes and wanes over time, which makes people believe that it's not even there. Uh, it's physical, mental, social, and apparently it, it uh, affects 10 million Americans. Two to four percent okay. of people have fibromyalgia, and it's a rate of about eight to two from women over men. And it occurs all ages, including children. Right. So this article we're looking at says eight percent of the U.S. population, which I, I did the numbers. That would have been 25 million people, but 10 million is is so you said you said three to four percent, right? Yeah, from the okay. one from the one that I got this part off of that I the uh, I think that one is from the fibromyalgia study. It's a real disease. Okay, so that well, I got to, that give you, Med, to give you MedCat, uh, MedCat clarification. You said it originates in the tissues of the body. So you're yes. saying that this is pain that doesn't have an outside source. No, it doesn't, and that's why it's often referred to as a uh, an invisible syndrome and there's people that get mad if you say it's a disease they get angry and say no no it's not a disease it's a syndrome so some that's something to be aware of as well but me well, one, i don't care what it's called yeah. i just know it hurts right. and here, here's the <laughs> thing one is, problem with something like that though with our society is the problem is people that don't suffer from it uh, uh, who oh you're just making up you're overreacting to pain you know i get hurt and i don't make a big deal about it mm-hmm. and you know i i've, I've known a few Oops. people that I don't know if they've ever been diagnosed with that, but they have suffered from chronic pain issues that won't go away for whatever reasons. And they often are looked at like, man, you're overreacting. What's wrong with you? Just, you know, suck it up. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of people do act that way. And it, it causes very, an awful lot of difficulty for the person who has fibromyalgia, because not only is there a difference in opinions with uh, more doctors are realizing that it's real, but there's differing opinions with doctors as well as with people. Therefore, the person with fibromyalgia, a lot of times, even their support system breaks down because they don't believe of what they have. So do they um, – the, how much money is being spent on – you know? I have no idea how much they can have I, spent I, on it, but there's a lot. Oh, can it, I make there? a ballpark assumption? Go for it. It's probably about a, a – one percent of what they've spent on erectile dysfunction. Well, see, I was going to say, I mean, how much how much have we spent on AIDS? Spent a lot about one percent. About one percent of what we spent on erectile dysfunction. Well, that's probably true. <laughs> here, here's a, here, here, here's an interesting con: is that there are um, 1.1 million people in the U.S. that have AIDS. Mm-hmm. That's 0.3 percent of the population, and we're talking about fibromyalgia. That's three to four percent of the population. That's is yeah. affecting way more people than AIDS. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it's interesting to see too that uh, 
I read another thing today about fibromyalgia and a high amount of people with fibromyalgia also kill themselves themselves. because no one believes them. Yeah. This is a tough diagnosis because until recently there was no test. And until until just a few years ago, it Mm -hmm. wasn't even a formal diagnosis is my understanding, right? These people were being diagnosed with it, but it wasn't recognized as an actual disease or syndrome. Whichever it happens yeah. to be, but and sometimes they just put people in that category uh, because they couldn't figure anything else out. And you know, if a person was depressed, they would just put them in that that category or whatsoever, and then assume that it's just oh well, they're having problems with uh, family life and they're just not making proper decisions on things or whatsoever. And they didn't didn't care about. I even had a rheumatologist that was. Um, a uh, fibromyalgia thing that I went through. There was a rheumatologist who talked to us and he actually told us a story about this woman who he had assessed as having fibromyalgia. And he told her, well, you might have to deal with situations and such. She came back to him next year and said, oh yeah, I'm all better. I don't have fibromyalgia anymore. Why? Because I got a divorce. It's like, (laughs) what? Excuse me? <laughs> that seems so. But here's the thing. There is, there does seem to be a trigger, right? Some Something seems to mm-hmm. trigger. For Lady Gaga, it was a, it, um, it seems to have been a hip um, injury that, yep. that triggered it. After, after that is when the symptoms occurred. And so, yeah. the, and so it seems like everybody has a, a trigger at some point. So I guess there, I mean, is it, a, is it a disease or a syndrome, right? It, it, it could, it, could it be something that you caught? I, I don't think there was a trigger for well, her. I, actually, I think I think she was born that way. Ugh. Well, it sounds like it's more of a condition that can happen to you. Because yeah. it doesn't sound like it's a disease that you can catch. It's not like a condition where you know your nerves get funked up somehow. And once it's yes. triggered, it, it's yeah, it's set off. Once it's triggered, it is. You will always have it once it's triggered. And I'm... <clears throat> the horrible thing about it too is that no oh, one knows exactly what causes it or what makes it worse because every situation is different. There are some, I know people with fibromyalgia, all they have to do is take uh, calcium, calcium, magnesium pills. Well, that takes care of it. Me, I'm on, I don't know how many pills anymore. <laughs> you know, it, has to, it sounds like it has to do with your nerves and your pain receptors and how, how they respond. And everybody's yeah. going to be different in that. And, um, you know, especially, probably also has to do with the locations on where the pain areas are happening mm-hmm. um things like that would affect it and it's going to be different with every person right and it's also there's also other situations that come into it that combine with the fibromyalgia like uh sleep with fibromyalgia you're not able to sleep very well there's fibro fog which is uh your brain it's kind of like a fog in your brain. You're not able to think things properly. That's why on the on the show here, every so often when I'm just like, uh, let's go on, it's because you know my brain has completely fogged over and I don't remember words. I don't remember uh, what I was just saying five seconds ago, or you know where I was going, or anything like that. Uh, there's also um, what's it called, myofascial. Uh, myofascial pain syndrome as well, which is connected to, and there's more. There's inflammation from it. There's uh, tiredness. There's so much that comes with fibromyalgia that 
I mean, it's amazing half the time with when you can't get you can't get uh, any type of relief from it, or when you're doing your best to even just it's um, even just getting up in the morning. Sometimes it takes half an hour to an hour, where some other most other people are able to get up easy. It's just getting those kinks out and that pain out to a level that you can move half the time. Can I interject a thought about, about uh, it has to do with why more money is not going into fibromyalgia research. And you said it yourself, you don't know how you catch it. Right. Um, with AIDS, it was terrifying because initially it was the gay disease. And then they found out that straight people could catch it too. Mm-hmm. And suddenly it became a lot bigger priority because it was this terrifying thing that you have sex and it could end your life. Yeah. Um, there was a there was a situation saw a while back where type one diabetes was being lumped in with type two diabetes by like the American Diabetes Foundation. And mm-hmm. it was because type two diabetes is the sexy diabetes. That's the diabetes that anybody can get, whereas with the type 1, it's something you're born with. Type 2, you get it because you ate too much, to simplify, <laughs> to oversimplify. Way oversimplify. You ate too much, you ate the wrong things. But anybody can get it, so obviously, if anybody can get it, we need to throw money at a cure. Mm-hmm. Um, if it affects our eating, if it affects our fucking, if it affects our <laughs> the hardness of our dicks, that gets the research money. Mm-hmm. If somebody's and this is one where people can, yeah, if somebody's you're in, pain in pain and you don't know why, over. if somebody's in pain and you don't know why, and you don't know how they got it, that walk sucks it off. for them. Yeah, walk it off. Well, not yeah. only that, and uh, the population that is striking is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna share a meme that I just spotted here on Facebook with you. It's this woman laying, laying in uh, kind of a blue, blue background. She's laying on her side, and she the thought bubble says, I'm tired of shit not killing me and only making me strong. Oh. <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate that. I appreciate that very much. So. All right. Anyway, I'm done. All right. What My else do we need to know rant. about Fiber Ram? Because um, you've got a whole bunch of stuff on here. Yeah, I, I was uh, like the what it is survey of symptoms. That one shows an awful lot more of the symptoms. Uh, other than pain, which, like, I was going through uh, insomnia, co- cognitive dysfunction, that's the fibro fog, depression, weight control, brain fog, well, cognitive and brain fog, same, weakness, <clears throat> effort, intolerance, lack of sleep, daytime sleepiness, anxiety, environmental sensitivity, which is another one. Uh, if it's really, if there's a lot of sound or there's a lot of light or a lot of anything during the day personally i'm a night owl in the first place but it's even worse because of my fibromyalgia because i don't like the daytime because there's just so much going on and with so much traffic so much sound so much light so much everything it hurts it literally hurts in the skin in the back of the neck and that sounds like descriptions of migraines it's something like a migraine, but it hurts right in it, not just in the head. It hurts all over. The restless legs, uh, the irritable bladder, chronic headaches, allergies. Um, I know there's time, times that I feel that my legs are like complete and utter lead 
on the outside and something's gushing on the inside and it's just severe utter pain or there's another one that they don't tell here but the <clears throat> it's a feeling like something's crawling on you and you feel it like on your on your skin as if you know your hairs are just twitching for some reason and it's little pain pockets that just go all over so there's one day my husband saw a big bug sitting on my face and he swatted it off my face and said how couldn't you feel that i feel that all the time how do i know <laughs> wow okay that powerful yeah <laughs> yeah um apparently dr Doctor um, Oz. Dr. Oz has something on fibromyalgia as well. Uh, ooh, that makes it real. Uh, <laughs> but uh, thanks, thanks for him. In fact, for bringing attention to the issue. But apparently, the <clears throat> the one thing that is very important about is what he shows about the pain. It's a little um, over the top, apparently, but it does show basically what the pain and the feeling some of the feeling for, with the pain is like. And does he sell you a diet drug to take care of it when he's done? I don't know. Apparently he doesn't uh, doesn't give enough um, enough information about where you can go to get help. Uh, he gives the basic information which uh, people who, al- who already know they have fibromyalgia and everything know where to go and all this other stuff. But there's uh, a lot more than what he speaks about in there so but they're they're getting more study they do have some studies like the excessive uh sensory nerve fibers um because they found out about there being more sensory nerve uh circulatory nerves that uh fibromyalgia sufferers have what is it twice as amount huh anywhere between twice to five times the amount of <laughs> uh, these uh, nerves <laughs> twice to five times the amount of nerves of a normal person giving well, feedback Mad Cat, I have always said about you that you seem like you have a lot of nerves <laughs> well thank you very much <laughs> I do get pretty nervy at times <laughs> and lost too <laughs> all right what one more thing. So oh, I'm going to ask I'm going to ask a question. Um so do you have access to I I've heard that cannabis can assist with fibromyalgia. I've yes. heard that that is something that can be beneficial. Yes. Is that something you have access to? Yes. I have never wanted to do cannabis myself, never was interested in it, but my pain has gotten to point where uh it goes where you have to get uh, either really heavy um, addicting drugs uh, or cannabis. And I discussed this with my uh, sleep apnea doctor because that's another thing that's with fibromyalgia is sleep apnea. Uh, I'm at the top of that. Yay! Anyway, uh, he suggested to take cannabis because it is less uh you have a lot less issue with that for sleeping issue than the other ones because they can actually uh other medications can cause more trouble for people with uh sleep apnea and sleep difficulties and the cannabis does help to an extent um i haven't got it to a proper 
amount of AH whatever is T or whatever the heck you call it. To THC. THC or um, THC or uh, damn it. I can't think of it. I'm not an expert there. I'm only hearsay. Yeah. So there's the two, two parts there and I haven't got it to the exact to keep the pain down fully, but I do use it as a an additive uh, for when I'm really doing bad and i have tried it as a uh uh edible yet have you experienced any side effects like like increased doritos intake <laughs> no but if you put any of those lovely uh rice crispy squares in front of me they are not lasting <laughs> <laughs> worth crud they're gone but <clears throat> yeah i don't i don't use it too often but uh when it's too much to handle i do use it especially at night. It does help. All right. But I got that straight through the doctor. I'm getting medical marijuana. Yeah. Miracle medical marijuana oil. So, okay. you know, usually people get really happy if their doctor says, okay, we're going to have to, uh, you know, um, try and experiment with drugs with you, like different types of marijuana and, and such. And then there's me who's like, I have to experiment with marijuana. Really, yay! Yeah. <laughs> but all right, all right. Well, we got one more thing in here, Ian. You wanna? No, no, okay. no, no, no. Let's no. let's actually go ahead and close it right now while we're on a light note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Okay. All right. You Onward. Think, you think we just talked well, about a mass shooting? Article that um, came past me. I definitely had to do more research on exactly because the initial article is. Woman's egg fertilized by dog for art project. Yeah, wow. And the article so oh, this is one where it's like, yeah, well, I wonder what the hell this is. And I did some research, and uh, so basically, it's actually uh, a four-part art project done by Maja Smirka. Smirka. Could be. It could be. Shmekar. It could be Maya for that matter. Yeah. Maya Shmekar. Um. So it's um. Uh, I ha- um have a link to her actual page where she has all this stuff up, and then hey, um. Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Fertilized by cells from her pet dog Brian. Oh. Byron. Yeah, Byron. <laughs> Not Byron. quite yeah, Brian, yeah. but so um, there's also a video that is kind of her explaining the whole thing. So it has to do with the human dog relationship, and um it started with. A lot of it apparently has to do with her being naked with dogs. Um, but I don't get the impression it's actually kink with her. It's her, you know, she talks about um, actually connection with them and kind of like uh, you would have with children. And so she does. Um, the first one was. You know, that's that's just sick if it's not with parents. <laughs> <laughs> the first part had to do with her just lying there and kind of letting a pack of dogs just be around her and sniff her and stuff and just get used to her kind of thing and just, you know, accept her kind of. Then the next step was her actually, you know, sleeping with her dogs naked, you know, in bed. Not sexually. Just, you know, go to bed naked. The dogs will jump in bed with her. and they It just sounds like she's trying to become one of the pack. Yeah, well, then the third part was he actually stimulated her glands to convince her body she was pregnant and started lactating and actually breastfed one of her dogs. Okay. On that, I'd be concerned because... Is there maybe is there maybe not the right nutrition levels I, in human breast milk for a dog? 
I don't know the whole thing on that. I, it, I couldn't find any details. Not, I, I was, not a puppy, I take it. Though. No, it was a. It was a. It looked like a younger dog. I don't know necessarily puppy, but not. It didn't look like an old dog. In what I saw with the video and the pictures and stuff, it it I don't think it was a newborn puppy, but it probably wasn't an adult dog yet. Is what it looks like. It's like, like you, you, for the same thing. You can't you can't actually raise a human child on on cow milk because they'll die or they'll well, have, have severe yeah. they'll have they'll have severe nutritional problems. You didn't try Icelandic that, right? Icelandic sheepdog called Ada after going on a special lactation enhancing diet. Yeah, the, the dog was fine, so was probably other stuff within the diet as well. But it was an, another kind of connecting to the dogs kind of thing. And then, so the final fourth part was the more odd, odd part that I don't fully understand. She took one of her eggs. She fertilized it with a fat cell from a dog, not a sexual cell. And I'm not quite sure what she created, because he even says this isn't a viable embryo. It could never actually, you know, create anything. So that, that, that's the one part that kind of puzzled me. I don't understand fully the science of biology, but she impregnated her egg in a manner that constitutes being impregnated without actually being able to produce anything. And this is all an art piece. Yeah, in the end, it's a four-part art piece that she has won an award for. She's been awarded for this art. It's a little confusing, and it does make you wonder exactly what constitutes art. I, I, we did a podcast on that a couple years ago, I remember, talking about you know what constitutes art. But the, um, it, it's a really interesting whole process he went through to get Thanks, to do all this. And it's definitely one of those things worth looking through. Like I said, I, I gave a couple articles here, a link directly to her page, and then the video where she explains everything she did and shows um, you know, her actually doing it all. It's interesting to see because it's definitely not something you normal. You know, it, it's out there, and it, <coughs> but it's an interesting take on the whole. Um, connection between humans and dogs, and the, you know, the pets as part of their family kind of thing. And what dogs are uh, dogs are one of our favorite inventions. <laughs> Seriously, I we made dogs. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. But you know, mostly I put it here because I think it'd be people look, look, see, you know, come up with your own opinions on it. It's definitely a controversial thing. There's no doubt about it. Right off the bat, people are going to see it as disgusting. There's no bestiality in it whatsoever. She doesn't do anything sexual with the dogs, um, but it, it's her connecting with them in an you know unique way that generally people don't connect with their pets. So, uh, did you note down below here that she also created a human dog fragrance using tissue tissues from her body and from her, from Byron's? I think that was part of the first part of the experiment where she um, lied down with the pack of dogs. I think that was part of that is spraying herself with that smell. Yeah. Uh, you know, as far as the, as far as saying that it was a dog named Brian, that actually belongs to somebody else. It's a guy in, uh, it's a guy in Massachusetts. Yeah. That's also part of my fibromyalgia. I accidentally put R before my brain put R before the Y. So oh, I was making a reference to a guy named, a guy named Peter in uh, Quahog, Massachusetts. Ah, yeah. His dog's <laughs> named Brian. Good talker, too. Yeah, he is. <laughs> well, it's a very interesting piece, and um, it just goes to show that I I don't understand what art is. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that's like, this is art? Well, it, it, it's definitely an interesting experiment. It has some definite you know, things to look at and think about within it. Yeah. All right, well, is there anything else? Oh, it's a cute dog. Um, uh, oh, okay. yeah, I do ask, by the way, um, if you do read 
Disharmony of the Spheres, it really helps to get um, uh, reviews and uh, um, ratings on, especially Amazon, you know, a big site. If you if we get, if uh, a book gets so many, it gets hit up to a different list. So if you do check it out, you do read it, you do like it, please give a um, review on it and help to promote it and get it noticed. Okay. I, I, I can tell you already, I don't like the artwork, the cover artwork, nearly as much as I like your solo efforts. <laughs> I got one as well. I got the god one. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. I have not far, but it's interesting. Well, then I think it's time to say good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. That is another one in the can. If you've made it this far, that's an hour of your time. You're never getting back. But the amateur skeptics appreciate you giving that hour to us. If you'd like to tell us how you felt about spending that hour with us, let us know at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. The Amateur Skeptics Podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons Sharealike No Derivatives 3.5 license. Intro music by Peter Canold. Find more of Peter's music at SoundCloud.com forward slash P-K-A-N-O-L. Exit music by OFM. Find more of their music at myspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. Artwork for the Amateur Skeptics by Sean Smith Ford. Copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture.